0: From APM, American Public Media, and Minnesota Public Radio, this is Wits. I'm John Moe, the host of It. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. As you may have noticed, it's kind of a blend lately. Some weeks, it's our big stage show. Most recently, Julia Sweeney and Martha Wainwright. If you haven't listened to that one, please go back and listen to it. It's okay. I'll wait for you here. Other weeks, it's more of a studio affair. This week, comedy interview double shot. First, Maria Bamford, and then Hannibal Burris stops by. Maria Bamford's going to be our guest on stage at the Fitzgerald Theater for Wits on November 30th, along with Brandy Carlisle. That show has been sold out for weeks. I'll be lucky to get in. It will stream live that night, starting at 8 central, and be available as a podcast later on Saturday afternoon, the 1st of December. Maria is a comedian. You might have seen her on Louie, on the Comedians of Comedy tour. She played this sort of crazy, wild-eyed shopper lady on Target's Christmas commercials. And a lot of Maria's comedy involves making fun of her mother.
1: My mom sometimes just writes the jokes herself. One thing she did say, uh, she couldn't find me. I was visiting and she she couldn't find me in the house and uh, I was asleep as... As per usual, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I tip over at odd intervals. And she um, she called my sister in a panic and said, uh, Maria has disappeared. And I'm worried she has killed herself, and I have a hair appointment in town. <laughs> oh, gracious. Now, that that's well edited. You know, it's tight. I don't have to do anything for that.
0: Right. It's a um, little gift from your mom. It's all gift-wrapped for you.
1: Get tracked, but um, yeah. So I guess if anything, I, I think sometimes I I just have more uh, succinct versions of uh, her. I I just did a, um, a TV thing, tried to do uh, asking my mom questions uh, for advice, mm-hmm. and um, my, my mom has was a non sequitur, you know. And she's also a very good chit chatter, so she can just keep patter going, uh, no matter what, which is a real gift. Um, I guess I'll just demonstrate it. Uh, sure. Um, let me see. Um, like, for example, if I were going to ask her, <laughs> "Mom, what's you know, Mom, what's the meaning of life? Why are we all here?" Listen, honey, I got to get to Bible study, so I'm just going to I. I've got to watch these sweet potatoes cook up in the microwave. But, you know, I get what you're saying, you know. It's like, what? Why? (laughs) I was at uh, Subway, and I got myself a turkey sub, and I said, what's going on here? You know, because I'm a curious kitty. And they have these packaged apple slices, and I just think, okay, this is crazy. But maybe... You know, I don't have to figure it all out. You know, <laughs> maybe I can just go get some beautiful paper napkins at the Snow Goose, and you know, just watch Netflix and go to a battered women's shelter meeting, and and uh, and just oh, the sweet potatoes are done. Anyways, we're we're reading. We're getting together today. We're supposed to read all the violent parts in the Bible, just the really violent parts.
0: There's a lot of hard left turns in that delivery, aren't there? Yes, yes,
1: yes. I, 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 I could have tightened that up for you a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, but,
0: um, I, I think it's vivid and and it d- really depicts things quite nicely.
1: Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. She, <laughs> she's so. She's uh she's lots of fun. My mom. She and she cares. She cares, and she does have opinions about things, which is funny because like I don't have. I don't. I, for some reason, I don't have as much comfort with stating my opinions about things. And um, so she's, it's, you know, mom, how do I have, how do I get a boyfriend? Well, sex. I mean, that's what's so important. I mean, the only time in the 40 years your father and I had that trouble was when he had prostate surgery, and he lost a little confidence, and I said, Joel, go out there and get yourself a toy. And so I went and he got himself a used Dodge Caravan, and we were back in business. <laughs>
0: that's that's not where I thought you were going with the term toy. That's great. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, D- Duluth, Minnesota. Now, I'm relatively new to the Twin Cities. I've been here a while. I've been up to Duluth a couple of times. And when I go there, I sometimes think to myself, Bob Dylan and Maria Bamford. So, like, how did this happen? What do you have in common with Bob Dylan? Where is the Duluth commonality between you and Bob Dylan?
1: Well, he was just born there. And he grew up in Hibbing, and then I think he denied his Hibbingness.
0: <laughs> now, Hibbing is, is a little ways outside Duluth. Yeah, they celebrate Bob quite a bit in Duluth. Like they they name they, streets after him and stuff.
1: I know, and I think that uh, I don't know if he's totally on board with that. <laughs> I, I,
0: I don't get the feeling. he I don't think he goes back for a lot of parades.
1: I think I, I remember something. In my. Uh, teenage years where they had an article in the paper, you know, Bob Dylan won't come into town to uh, his street naming uh, because he's not interested in coming to Duluth. And um, in that way, we may be different in that if 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 my hometown were to name a street after me, which I'm not, you know what I did get named after me in my hometown? What's that? A room in the new mental health <laughs> How did that happen, kids? Well, I did donate some money. So, but but there's a there's a new facility called Amber Wing, and it's a really wonderful, uh, uh, very homey place where kids who have uh, mental problems, which of which I was a a one, um, and I uh, the only person I could go see was a was a nun who just had me lie down uh I just slept uh in her office that's, oh. that's what happened uh that was the care <laughs> care available in the eighties well that's so
0: <laughs> that's that's great that you know that that exists for for kids in in Duluth i mean may I ask what uh what was wrong when when you were a kid what was going on
1: oh i guess i you know i mean i think as soon as I started getting going through puberty, I started getting sort of o c d and uh you know, suicidal ideation and that kind of thing, which I think happens with uh, there, there's bipolar and depression runs through my family. So I think I've got a, a combo or or whatever, you know, some some wonderful gift. I have it. And um, but um, yeah, but I've heard it's supposed to be a wonderful um, place. I, I haven't seen my room yet. Um. <laughs>
0: Are you going to get a chance to visit it when you come out in November?
1: I hope so. Yes, yeah. yes. maybe yes. See? I think that would be a perfect time to do it. Yes.
0: Perfect. Now, I suddenly, you know, I've, I've been watching your stand-up comedy for quite a while, and now suddenly you're this total TV actress. You're on Louie. You're on the new Arrested Development that is coming out for Netflix. How do you approach acting differently than stand-up?
1: Well, I get really worried about it in a whole different way. Uh, I, I don't totally understand what's happening in acting, and you don't, I don't know what of doing it right because there aren't any laughs. You know, it's very quiet. Acting is very quiet. Um, That's the other thing about acting is like I don't understand like when people say, "Oh, it's acting, but it's like, well, people are kissing. They are kissing. (laughs) You know, isn't that
0: happening? It is actual kissing.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's not acting. That's kissing. <laughs> Anyways, I'm very obsessed with the kissing aspect of acting.
0: <laughs> yeah, have you kissed people in in acting roles before?
1: Yes, I uh, Emmy Award winner uh, John Cryer oh. in a sitcom about twelve years ago. Okay. <laughs> and to me, it felt real. Yeah. <laughs> Where I am probably, uh, you know, like I, I think of what did I think? Oh, maybe, uh, maybe that was the lack of professionalism that I'm, I, I, I need to. I, I, I'm starting to get more professional as I get older. Where I realize, oh, it's not real. John Cryer doesn't really like me. <laughs>
0: I was in a, I was in a play years ago where I had to kiss for like a good, like it was a makeout scene, like a good five to 10 minute scene with an actress who I knew couldn't stand me, just did not like me a bit. And 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 after a while it became like, I got so mad at her for not liking me. Our relationship as humans was so intractable that I saw the makeout scene as a sort of revenge upon her that she would have to (laughs) suffer me. I think it added some layers to our characters that probably weren't really supported in the script.
1: Oh my gosh, was, that is really—it's so—it's—it's so, it's so, it's, it's so uh, uncomfortable. I mean, I've always found when I've had a scene like that, like that, I—I I have so many feelings for the person, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> like I, I did get to get kissed, John Travolta, a few times for. Wow. A uh, reason? Yeah, it wasn't. It was just a. Uh, it was cut from the thing. But, but now every time I see a picture of him, I go, "Oh, John."
0: Been there. Oh, yeah.
1: John. Listen.
0: <laughs> I like. I like how you describe as I had to kiss John Travolta for a reason. All right, now Maria, we've got some uh, some standard questions that we ask uh, our guests when they come on the show. Uh, what are you obsessed by lately? Oh,
1: what am I obsessed by? Um,
0: <laughs> Besides kissing.
1: Besides kissing, I am. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, uh, I do love mental health autobiographies. Yeah. <laughs> and biographies. I just read the the new David Foster Wallace biography oh. which is something I'm not supposed to be reading stuff like that. Uh but I do appreciate it. I appreciate uh um it's it's uh it's kind of like my Netflix queue. Uh, my Netflix yeah. queue is filled with uh things that I think I sh- should watch, rather than things that would probably be better for me to watch. Like, I should be watching comedies. Right. uh, But I am filled, I've got a queue filled with genocide. And, uh, (laughs) oh, well.
0: Boy, genocide just made me laugh, and now I'm feeling guilty about it. No. no, Why aren't you supposed to read David Foster Wallace? For mental health reasons?
1: Well, just that it's super just like to to read about somebody and, uh to i mean he he is a great artist and i I just find it interesting to, to read it and go okay what what happened yeah. or what uh <laughs> there's it, it always seems like when there is suicide that it does seem like there's um like there is a some break in medical care, med- medication or something. He had he had gone off uh, uh, meds, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and anyways, I I, I don't know. I, it's just because I think I can relate to it so much, and to see somebody go through the process and then get back up again, and go through it and get back up, and uh, is really uh, that's very hopeful, oddly hopeful for me. Yeah. Uh, and then also it helps me uh, go, hey, Brian, why don't you stay on those medications? Why don't you, why don't you right. stay on those?
0: Right. Why don't you choose the the path of stability, you know? Yeah. And it's like like looking over the edge of a cliff while while staying high above the cliff.
1: Because there is, I mean, there's so much support for getting off of meds, especially, I mean, I don't know, It's strangely, right? if you're in Los Angeles, there's just a lot of, like, you know you just it just seems like you're using those as a crutch man and mm. you it and it's like, oh my god well uh, if that sometimes you have a crutch because your yeah. leg is broken
0: <laughs> yes, yes. That's, that's that those things often get said by people who uh, I think the medical term is have no idea what they're talking about
2: <laughs> I
1: think
0: that's, that's who's saying that. That's Maria Bamford. You can hear her live at WITS on Friday, November 30th. Just go to witsradio.org. Hannibal Burris is with us. He's a stand-up comedian, comedy writer. You might have seen his Comedy Central special, Hannibal Burris, Animal Furnace. He's on the Eric Andre Show on Comedy Central, and he's appearing at the Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday of this week. Hannibal, I heard there's this stubborn refusal by people to believe that Hannibal is really your name.
2: Yeah, people just say, no, you're lying to me. Like, no, I'm not lying to you. I just met you. There's no stakes. <laughs> I, well, I don't have to lie to you. There's nothing invested. I'm going to screw with a stranger
0: and pretend that my name is Hannibal.
2: That, uh, that is my strategy. Sometimes people don't, I'll make sure to enunciate it, and people just don't want to process it. Where They say, what's your name?
0: And I'll say Hannibal. and They're like, nice to meet you, Adam.
2: They'll just think I'm saying Adam.
0: I'm <laughs> i I'm just really bad at pronouncing my own name and I'm, I throw in extra syllables. I think I'm yeah. <laughs> like no, you said Adam. That you are Adam. <laughs> You're not
2: Hannibal. Have you taken this issue to uh your mom and dad? Uh no. Nah, I mean it's a different name, but I, I, I like it. It stands out. It's yeah. uh people remember it, you right. know, which
0: is good for, for this business. Um, you started in comedy, uh, from what I understand, hosting open mic events in college. What was yeah. that like? That was cool, man. I mean, it
2: was uh, performing in college was a really good place to perform versus performing in a big city, just because it was a smaller community in in the town and other like minded college students. And I had. The college experience to draw from. What what college was this? This was Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, yeah, Carbondale, Illinois. Illinois. So I could go up and do bits like, "Hey man, that cafeteria food that sucks, right?" Or this, and I had these <laughs> specific things. Oh, the dorm and the, it was we had this thing. Our mascot was the Salukis, yeah. uh, which is this Egyptian hunting dog. So there was the campus security guards. They were also students. They weren't real cops, but they were the Saluki patrol. So I'd have material about the Saluki patrol. And I think it was cool to start early on in that type of environment just because I was able to build somewhat of a following. Uh,
0: really early in, within that city. Yeah, big fish in a small pond. Yeah, exactly, man. He's saying what we're all thinking about, the Saluki <laughs> Patrol. And then uh, how did you get from there? You you went on to, to write for Saturday Night Live. And well, that's straight Rock. from there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't just send a recruiter around that's like the big companies that. do? That was,
2: you just skipped seven
0: years. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we need a writer. Where should we go? Let's, well, let's go to Carbondale and let's see. This guy does yeah, Killer Saluki that's a, Patrol. That's a, uh, <laughs> a
2: huge time jump. Well, what were you doing in between? In between, I just was doing the stand-up. I was started touring and went back home to Chicago in 04 uh, and was working in Chicago and then uh, ended up moving to New York in 08. And I got a set on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and that's how uh, I ended up getting on Saturday Night Live was through that.
0: And so it was mostly stand-up. Were
2: you doing sketch comedy work? In between? Uh, no I wasn't i was I took a sketch comedy writing class the month before I got the SNL job uh-huh. but i
0: I wasn't expecting to get well, that job yeah there's the there's the rapid trajectory <laughs> taking a class you're you're probably on the uh, the flyer for that class now yeah that, I am max I'm not on the
2: flyer <laughs> but they put me on the website saying yeah hannibal Buress took this class like, yeah I took that class but it didn't have anything to do with me getting that job but you guys can use me it's all right. <laughs>
0: uh, and then, when what years were you in at Saturday Night Live? Like, who just, were you working with? There? Just
2: one year there, uh, twenty oh uh, nine to oh ten. Um, Kristen Wiig, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Sudeikis, Andy Samberg, Keenan Thompson, that group. I mean, most of them are still there, except for I mean, Kristen and Andy and uh, Will Forte have since left, and there's some new people there. But right,
0: yeah. Now SNL is known for having a lot of ideas that don't quite make it to the air and I've I've heard that from a few other former writers yeah. and cast members that I've interviewed. Do you have some of your favorite flops some ideas that you loved that were just never had a chance of really getting on the air?
2: Yeah, I had this this sketch called Fedora Basketball <laughs> and it was the, it was the idea was just that now players in the NBA have to wear fedoras. On the court, and then, in, in addition to trying to score points, you also have to try to keep your fedora on. And if you lose your fedora, that's like bad for team morale. Uh-huh. And yeah, that didn't make it on. <laughs> I love that sketch.
0: Though. I can't imagine that you could field uh, 10 SNL actors as credible <laughs> NBA players.
2: Yeah, it was uh, in addition to other difficulties. But that idea, fedora basketball will live on in some form. I haven't forgotten it. It's still in my heart and my head. <laughs> it's still, it, maybe it'll maybe it'll be more of a movie treatment. <laughs> maybe. Maybe some uh, short video. I'll make something happen from it, even yeah. if I have to pay out of my pocket. <laughs> Are you an NBA fan? I'm a huge fan. NBA fan, yeah. 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 big basketball fan. Bulls? Bulls, yeah. Bulls. A lot of bulls. I don't know about this year with Derrick Rose being out, but yeah, man, big Bulls fan. My wife
0: is from Chicago and, and yeah. so we we go down there a lot. And it always seems with the Bulls like you just can't ever quite shake the ghost of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like it's just really like he's not there much, but it's just always kind of a a presence that everybody kind of has to live up It's like having an overachieving father or older brother
2: where's six banners up
0: there man yeah <laughs> so yeah that's tough and it's a statue of
2: him <laughs> and his jersey is retired so that's the the you know the presence is always there but the team is uh is a good team now and they and it, and when i do
0: go to the games it's uh it's a fun time your timberwolves your timberwolves are beat up man Timberwolves are beat up. Well, yeah, every everybody breaks things just walking into the building. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> well, my my life is a lot lonelier though because I'm originally from Seattle and my, uh, my team was abducted and uh, uh, kidnapped and uh, you know brainwashed yeah. and called something else. Yeah, the zombie, the zombie Sonics, the zombie Sonics, <laughs> and we all just have to pretend like it's normal. <laughs> uh, Seattle will get a team in a couple years, you think? All right. Oh yeah, Seattle's gonna get a team, but it's like being a being a fan of of the Sonics, now it's like i i want to kind of will myself to root for the timberwolves or or pick another team but but it's sort of like my my wife has died but there's a chance that she may rise from the grave again Uh, so i can't really remarry yeah
2: it's It's weird man because you kind of forget i mean it's only it's been what three or four years for the thunder something like that
0: five years five years so yeah
2: you kind of even you know the thunder have really been doing a thing the past few years, so you
0: kind of forget that the Sonics were around. You like you forget that they got changed. Really, what's hard is uh, talking basketball with people while also uh, enforcing my lifelong vow. To never say the name of that team that they became, <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's not healthy. So you,
2: so you say the team formerly known as the Sonics? I, I say style? I
0: say some team that's in Oklahoma that or team, something. That
2: team, that team in Oklahoma, Kevin Durant's team. Yeah, I'm, I'm not well.
0: I'm not a I'm not a well person really.
2: That team, that loud noise <laughs> team, loud noise <laughs> associated with rain and lightning. Yes, yes.
0: When. Uh, <laughs> when air crashes together (laughs) the team that is a result now i by by over explaining that joke personally like saying the you know the the air crashing together i almost fell into what i've noticed about your comedy which i just it's the part that always makes me laugh out loud is when you kind of pack too many words into the punchline of a joke it's hard to kind of explain, yeah, but there's there's this incredibly kind of verbose riff that you go off on uh, on the on the payoff of a joke that I just find so funny. let's just take a listen to what i 'm talking about.
2: I love apple juice is my favorite of the juices. Uh, one day, me and my girlfriend go to the grocery store. Mott's Fresh Press Natural Apple Juice, $1.79 for a half gallon. That's a great sale. We get eight bottles. <laughs> eight bottles is all we have on the belt. In front of us is an old man looking back, shaking his head, nah, nope, nah, nah. What's wrong, old man? You mad because we have all this apple juice? You can go get some, too. It's over there now 4, but if not, stop judging us. Hell yeah, we are hoarding apple juice, taking advantage of this sale before this store realizes what a horrible mistake they made. <laughs> And you know what? We're back here happy with the apple juice, and you're up there lonely with the chili and your beans, you lonely chili and beans eating old man. But it took me a minute to realize he wasn't shaking his head because of the apple juice, he was shaking his head because my girlfriend was white, and he didn't agree with that. But I was so caught up in the euphoria of having all that apple juice, that for a minute I lived in this world where racism didn't exist. it was obvious that this old man is just an apple juice hater. And he's just mad because he can't get all the apple juice that I'm getting right now.
0: That that joke could be told in much fewer words, but I think it would be much <laughs> less funny if it was told more efficiently. Yeah, I
2: mean, I just tell it how it happened, really. And I try to add details and, and different things and, and see how it works. And when, if it works on stage, then I, I keep doing it like that. How do you develop new material? Just stuff happens, man, and and I I try to see if it's if it's funny, like a different situation. If I if I feel if something like kind of hits me, where it, it legit bothers me a little bit, like the grocery store by my place, uh, if you come in with a bag, they want to check your bag, like they want to hold your bag. And I'm like, wait, you you don't trust me. To be around your stuff but I'm supposed to trust you with my stuff like <laughs> it's gonna be a standoff I'm not giving you my bag I'm here to buy stuff <laughs> so little stuff like that and this happened for real uh so yesterday the day before when I was at a grocery store and I had my headphones on but the and so I was going to get the basket and it was the guy he was like reaching to check my bag and I just said no <laughs> and I went about
0: my day shopping that, and that went. that worked what that you could just do that and say no and then go. I just by. said
2: no, and I, I mean also having music blasting into my headphones that was helpful because I would I, if he did respond to me, I didn't hear it. He would have to touch me, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of assessed the risk reward ratio. I just, I just
2: said no and then went and shop. I'm not
0: that a steal. I just <laughs> I just bought some toilet paper. I don't want you. I don't know what you're gonna do to my toilet paper. <laughs> Um, I want to get back to some of the the things you've worked on. You worked on Thirty Rock. Uh, yeah. After you worked on SNL, and Thirty Rock is is all about a TV show in chaos. Yeah. And I've always wondered: is the production of Thirty Rock itself that that way? Is it oh, that way no. in real life? No, you can't you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: turnaround is too fast. How does it run? It runs. I mean, we as a writer, we're you know we're in the writers' room, so we're basically. Uh, we pitch story ideas like ahead of time, so we break the story. We think of different storylines for future episodes. So we we'll, sometimes we will get split into two groups, where one room is a story room, where they everybody's just thinking of different storylines, like what if Tracy uh, gets a new movie, or what if Liz Lemon meets this new guy, and blah blah blah, They're thinking of different storylines. Where well, the other room is working on a, a, a script that's already been written. So a, a writer will get assigned a script after we come up with the story. We'll mm-hmm. come up with all the storylines. The writer get assigned that one writer, then they go off and write that for a week. So they go off on script, write for a week, bring in the draft. Then we all get copies of the draft, make our notes. Then as a group, we put the is uh, the script is on a projector, and we go by line by line and kind of beat the jokes. Okay, we can beat that. Then we will pitch everything. What does beating the joke mean? Beating the joke means like, if it's if it's something that's sort of a weak joke, or we can make a better joke, we and we'll pitch around. And just say, how? What if she said watermelons and cheese instead of you know? And so, and, and then we'll just keep pitching different things. Whatever gets a big laugh in the room, we'll make the script, and then we'll move on. But sometimes that process, you know, the second thing somebody says, that'll pop and get in the script. But it's been times where we worked on one joke for forty-five minutes, man, because that's how the process is. Where it's just like, nope, that's not it. That's funny. That's not it, and uh, the executive producer Robert Carlock, uh, he's just really meticulous. So it'll you know it'll it'll take a while sometimes, and the room will be just down for a while because we just everybody is just like it's no like, funny left in them. It's like a
0: puzzle, and then it, eventually we'll get it though. Yeah, it, it seems like that would depend on everybody really uh, kind of believing in each other, really backing each other, a lot of a lot of goodwill in that room because. You know, what if somebody has a joke that you know is good, but you really want your joke to make it? Do you stifle that? laugh?
2: Nah, line? I don't think. Nah, it's just funny. It's funny, man. And there's so many opportunities to get jokes in. It's not like it's only three jokes in a script. Yeah, it's jokes is you know, that show, especially yeah. it's so dense on that show is every third line, it seems is a joke. So there's so many opportunities to get jokes in. So you just you know, you're happy. It's funny. If something is funny, you laugh. If something is not, if it, if it, you, so yeah, I'm never, I don't think people hold it in, yeah. in that room. And where does, uh, where does Tina Fey come in on that process? Tina Fey, it varies. Sometimes she will write a script. She's, uh, I think a couple, a few episodes a season, she will, she'll have a writing credit on a script. And then, I mean, she will give notes on the script. She can't always be in the writer's room because she's acting and running the show, but Every now and then, she'll pop in the writers' room. She'll pitch on jokes, or she'll uh, put notes on the script. Like she'll go home, go on to final draft, uh, and and um, she'll put her in her notes, and then we'll go off of those hmm. as a group. Like she'll say, "Hey, let's change this," or "Nah, that joke is too rough. We can't talk about that." Per-. Like that, she'll put in her notes. So she's always, you know, she she goes over th-
0: with a fine-tooth comb and approves basically every joke hmm. um, so you had worked at SNL you worked at 30 rock uh, for a lot of writers it's like man that's a those are sweet gigs why not yeah. stick around those for a lot longer but uh, you hit the road again as a comic
2: yeah just because I wanted to I mean I, I wanted to focus on stand up and building my audience and trying to develop my own TV show so I'll use those experiences just to to kind of learn the game a little bit
0: and go out on my own. Are you working on a TV show now?
2: Yeah, I am working on one for uh,
0: ABC. I have a pilot with them, so we're writing that now. Hannibal Burris, thanks so much. Thank you. Hannibal Burris will be at Acme Comedy Club Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday of this week. Wits is produced by Larissa Anderson. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Wits. That's easy enough to remember. We're also on Facebook. Just go to Facebook, look for Wits. You can even Google. Just Google use the Google and search for Wits Facebook, and I bet you'll find our Facebook page. And uh, we're also on the just regular old worldwide cyber web WitsRadio.org On iTunes, please review our podcast and rate us. We'd prefer highly, but any kind of uh, rating helps our visibility and that makes us happy. It fills our hearts with glee and joy. I'm John Moe. Bye now. We should have been gone!